abrupt endo intro ending. What's up? It's John Cass Podcast, episode number 67. And this podcast is brought to you by my good friends at Me and Julio. Check out Me and Julio on Fish Hatchery Road in Madison. They've got margarita specials on Tuesdays and Thursdays. They've got wine Wednesdays. They've got monthly specials as well. Me and Julio, I like the bang bang chicken and the bang bang shrimp tacos. They are fantastic, but the whole menu there for you to choose from at me and Julio. And I'm telling you, if you have not had the margarita, go have the margarita. Also brought to you by Ian's Pizza in Madison with three locations. Also three locations in Milwaukee. And Ian's Pizza and I are teaming up for our next promotion. Here's what I have come up with, what we have come up with, I should say. We are going to hook you up with your shot here at college football and volleyball tickets for the home openers in Madison, September 2nd and the 3rd. So you'll go to volleyball on Friday and check out the football home opener in Madison on Saturday night. And we're going to hook you up with a year's supply of Ian's pizza. Now you might be asking, well, how do I enter this? How do I win this fantastic prize, John? And I'll tell you how all you have to do, get on social media, DM me on Twitter at John Audius radio or DM me John Cast Podcast on Instagram, or message me on my Facebook, uh, the John Cast Podcast, and just say, I'm in. That's all I want you to write. I'm in, and you will be entered for your chance. Now, there will be more opportunities for you to have even more entries through retweets or through likes or through shares. And I'll describe that as we go along through the process. So just keep a look for all the podcasts when they post, and you might have an extra chance at getting another entry into this. But we're going to hook you up with the college football, the volleyball, tickets to the home openers September 2nd and September 3rd in Madison and that year's supply of Ian's Pizza. But the easiest way to answer, if you don't want to go through all the retweets and likes and everything else, just DM me on Twitter or on Instagram or on Facebook and say, I'm in. That's all I want you to say. I'm in and we'll get you signed up. For that. Well, today's guest is the editor in chief for Reviewing the Brew. It's a Brewers blog on the Fanside Network, co host of the Cold Brew podcast as well. And he's helped produce several broadcasts of the 2021 Wisconsin volleyball season. I'd like to welcome Dave Gasper to the John Cass podcast. What's up, Dave? And not much, John. It's good to, good to see you again. And of course, the producer of the national championship winning game volleyball broadcast so i i guess i would have been the good luck charm that year i don't know <laughs> yeah something like that and that that post game the longest post game i've ever done for any broadcast ever i mean how long do you do you remember how long that post game because as a producer because i've been plenty of producing you kind of sometimes notice how long the post game runs <laughs> uh, yeah. how long was that post game do you remember it was it was probably at least like 45 minutes i remember Cycling through We Are the Champions uh, at least three or four times on the pump music. But yeah, it was it was much longer than than your typical post game. Yeah, yeah. For some reason, I thought it was an hour or more, too. Um, it just it might have been, honestly. Yeah. But hey, you know, if you win a national championship, go ahead and take an hour-long post game is, is what I say. Um, mm mm-hmm. All right, so uh, I brought you on here today to talk about the Brewers because, like I said, editor-in-chief of Reviewing the Brew, you've got the Cold Brew podcast. You're big into baseball. You're big into the Brewers. I wore my – if you're watching on Spotify or if you see this on YouTube, I wore my Hank T-shirt for today trying to find something Brewers-related. I'm 
Yeah. I'm like, whatever happened to Hank before we start talking about the Brewers? I mean, he's still living a good life. Is he, he dead? <laughs> I, as far as I know, he's still alive. He got a, he got adopted by uh, one of the Brewers uh, front office uh, people. They're uh, like vice president of business operations or, or something um or, or legal counsel I don't, I don't know he got adopted by by someone in the front office and he's been living with uh, her family ever since then so as, as far as i know he's still alive okay i loved hank i love that story that was the, the best story of a long time because yeah. this story uh, a lot of brewers don't like the, the latest news with the milwaukee brewers so like i said i've been living my summer i've been keeping track of the brewers but not as intensely as i had been when i was in sports talk radio but I do know Josh Hader, and I do know that he's a very valuable piece to helping win ball games in Milwaukee. So why would a first place team trade an elite pitcher like Josh Hader? That's a great question. Uh, that's what pretty much everyone has been wondering, not just you know with fans, but really kind of across you know baseball. And you know, I understand that the Brewers had some reasons behind it. You know, with a, a year and a half before Josh Hader reached free agency. Uh, he was getting more expensive in arbitration. It was going to be much tougher to to pay him, especially being just a one-inning closer that hasn't really been the Brewers' typical M.O., like to pay those guys that much money uh, over the course of a season. So, you know, it makes sense from, from that kind of perspective from the business side. Like, okay, you trade him, you get what value for him that you can. But the Brewers have kind of long stated it's only going to be for a haul. It's only going to be for a massive overpay. And I really don't think that they got that here, uh, which is really frustrating uh, for a lot of people. I mean, you, you look at what they got back. I mean, you got Taylor Rogers, who's, for all intents and purposes, a worse reliever than, than Josh Hader. I mean, Josh, Josh Hader is the best reliever in baseball. So whoever you get back, he's going to be worse than Hader. So you get Rogers back. You get another interesting piece into Nelson Lamette, plus a couple of prospects. They're not top 100 guys, but they're interesting prospects. And then they DFA, they, they cut Denelson Lamette before he can even start pitching. And that just makes this whole trade look so much more puzzling and, and confusing when it's like, okay, we, we got a mix of big league talent back and some prospects. So, like, you know, this is great. But then you cut out one of the big pieces of, of the big league talent back. So it looks like you all they did was make their big league team worse by replacing Hader with Rodgers and then got a couple of prospects. I mean, that's more selling than it is buying. Yeah, and that's the way it kind of appeared to a lot of Brewers fans, right? That they're selling instead of buying, and it seemed a little bit uh, odd. But then there was that release by the team trying to take more bites at the apple, right? Kind of the explanation that... That in order to stay, oh, you don't like that. Before, well, in order, the, the explanation, correct me if I'm wrong, in order to stay at a competitive level, you sometimes have to, you know, do something like this in order to stay at that level. Otherwise, you lose hater and you'd have nothing and you just keep going down and down. And you might have a down year as opposed to maintaining the stability and the opportunity to continue to rise up. Yeah. Uh, the bites at the apple phrase has really been uh, getting under the skin of a, a lot of people uh, that, that I've seen. I mean, it, it's been, you know, like, like I get the point. And I mean, typically when trades are made, especially by this front office, they don't put out a carefully crafted PR statement to try to explain to fans why they make the move that, that they did. Uh, so that's kind of the first sign that like isn't 
good. And yeah, it's like, okay, you're trying to take as many bites at the apple, long-term viability for a World Series. I get that. Um, but at the same time, it doesn't really help your chances to win today. It doesn't help your chance to get a good bite at the apple this year. And they said in their statement that, you know, this does this does not compromise expectation desire to win today. Well, there's a big difference between not compromising and improving, right? Like, like you, like you may not have compromised it, but you also didn't improve your ability to do so. And it, they weren't even talking about their ability either. They said their expectation and desire today. You, you can have all the desire in the world, but your ability to to carry that out has has been impacted. I can I can set for myself an expect and desire to run a marathon. You know, if I if I so chose, but if I shoot myself in the foot, my expectation and desire to run that marathon can remain the same, but my ability on that marathon is severely hampered. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I know we're having a little bit of technical issues with you right now, but I yeah, I I totally hear what you're saying, and you know the question then is, are you in a better spot like did you make yourself better like and the answer is no which it seems so strange that a team as talented and up in the standings as the brewers are essentially like you said anything anybody you're going to get back for josh hader is not going to be as good as josh hader so it, it seems to me that they're in a worse spot of trying to compete for a world series would you agree or disagree no, I, I'd agree. I, I think they're definitely in a worse spot than, than where they were before. And, you know, really, I mean, not even just uh, the on-paper aspect. Of, I mean, they, they are certainly worse in the on-paper aspect. But then you look at the clubhouse. Because, I mean, when mm -hmm. it comes to deals like this and it comes to professional sports in general, you have to get the clubhouse situation and, and managing that. And, you know, the, those guys are – going to be confused and upset at at the Josh Hader trade and not really seeing themselves getting better on paper and, and it seems like the team is selling. So those guys are, you know, really it takes away a key clubhouse guy in Josh Hader. Um I don't I don't know if the Brewers realized how much of a of a clubhouse leader uh and piece that he was uh, among that group. So you take him out, it's really a shock to the system for these guys. And, you know, we've we've heard Christian Yelich and other guys say it's like, yeah, like this, like this, this is horrible, but you know, we're professionals. We've got to, you know, be able to move on and get past this. But I mean, even they've admitted that trade really uh, impacted their series in Pittsburgh and, and was part of the reason why they got swept. It was such a shock to the system for them. Uh, and it, it just really has kind of taken the taking them back and it, for them to, to really kind of move forward knowing that Josh Hader is not there and the reasons why and that they didn't get anything back to improve the team. I'm glad you brought up the clubhouse because Devin Williams had the reaction. If you watch that video, it's about a two-minute clip going out there on, on Twitter and he just looks devastated. So, you know, this is affecting the team or at least some of uh, some of Hader's teammates. Um do you see that? Is it on the shoulders then of Craig Council to kind of refocus this group? Because watching Devin Williams, like he seems stunned. He seemed upset. 
And, you know, I think it's time to make sure that this, this, this Brewer season doesn't start to tip in the wrong direction. Yeah, that's really going to rest a lot on Craig Council, and, and it's really unfortunate. I mean, they, they are depending a lot on Council's communication skills to be able to kind of help these guys move past uh, the, the Josh Hader trade and the deadline and try to keep them focused again. And, you know, it's, it's tough because, I mean, obviously this wasn't Council's decision. Uh, there's only so much he can say, only only so much he can do about, you know, explaining the move and and helping guys just kind of, you know, get their thoughts out on it. So, you know, it's tough for him and the players. Like they, their beef isn't going to be with council. I mean, they know they know it's not his fault, and it's not it's not him losing the clubhouse per se. Um, but it, it's definitely going to be on his ability to communicate to them the reasons for the move and why uh, you know it had to be made, and you know how this team, you know how they're still confident in this team, and how they can just kind of move forward. And that's just what they have to do. From here now, they, they just have to move forward. I mean, Josh Hader just – he isn't going to be there. It's tough. It's going to be tough for them to move forward, especially the guys who are closest to him. I mean, Devin Williams was one of his best friends. Corbin Burns, uh, he was best friends with Josh Hader. He's like, our kids are going to grow up together. Um, you know, they, they both had kids just a, a few months apart. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of tough for them to lose someone who's been such a close friend for them throughout the organization for a number of years. And it's it's all really going to be on council to to really kind of hold everything together, and that's that's going to be the the toughest job he has all season. Yeah, I think so too. Because I'm telling you, man, if you haven't seen the Devin Williams video, he's just like. And granted, like, come talk to him in a week. Maybe he's better. Maybe council's talked to him. Maybe he's been refocused, or you know. But in that moment, seemed really stunned and upset. And then now, Dave, we get the hater quote. When he's talking to their uh, television uh, in San Diego, that uh, the atmosphere here is this quote: "The atmosphere here is they want to win and not just go to the playoffs, but win a World Series." So a lot of people took that as a shot at the Brewers. Here's the way I took that: I took that as, to me, that was him saying the right thing. He had to say the right things about his current team. All right, like they're all in. We want to win a World Series. Rah rah rah. But I also do believe there was a bit of a shot there at Brewers management saying, well, this, this team wants to win the World Series and not just get to the playoffs. I think there was perhaps, and I don't know if that's Hater being a bit upset and decided to take a small jab. I don't think it was a big jab. I don't think it was a big deal. But to me, it was a bit of a shot at the Brewers. How did you view that? Yeah, I viewed it pretty much the, the same way. I mean, it definitely seems like a shot uh, across the bow from Hater. I mean, that you know, then you see the Brewer statement, oh, as many bites at the apple as possible. You know, it, it's not about going, you know, all in for a World Series in, in a particular year. The Brewer's view seems to be, look, you get into the playoffs, you have a shot, and really it's it's mostly about luck once you get into October. Um, and just kind of, you know, if you're hot at the right time, then you end up winning it all. And that's just kind of how it goes. If you're not hot heading in, you're probably going to lose, just like they were last year. So, you know, that that's kind of seems like it's been the Brewers' philosophy. And they said it even in their statement about more bites at the apple. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that hasn't been the philosophy of the Padres. You know, it's, you know, they've been, for the past two years, they've been trying to go pretty much all in. I mean, they get Hater, then they get Juan Soto, and they make all these other trades. You know, they're really kind of, you know, looking to go for it. And the Brewers don't really want to make that commitment for any particular season saying, 
this is our year. We're going to push. We're going to get whoever and make it happen. So, you know, we'll see whose philosophy kind of wins out in the end. Um, you know, just kind of one of these times, it's like instead of just taking a bite at the apple, just grab it and take the whole thing. Right? Like, don't just have a little bite share with everyone else. Just take the whole apple, you know, like, like just kind of have that kind of mentality. If you want to go take it, like, yes, there's a bit of luck to it, but luck also favors the prepared. Luck also does favor the better teams. Mm, yeah. Okay. So now that it's said and done, grade the trade. What would you give that trade for the Brewers giving up Josh Hader? As a, as a trade has gone on, I am. Like, I think we initially gave it like an A minus. You know, just just based on the the return, it's like okay. You know, initially, like you got a somewhat decent uh, return for that, and then. Shortly afterwards, when they made the the rest of the trades, I bumped it down to a B minus. Um, you know, it's like okay, you didn't follow it up with anything else. I, I figure if you're trading Hater, you've got some other big master plan coming up. They didn't end up having that, and then when they designated Denelson Lamette for assignment, uh, it just kind of showed a, a lack of planning. And then you know, Stern said, "Oh, he was only included to help balance out the deal," uh, and you you know, they didn't really view him that highly. Well, then what was the point? You know, like you had no need to trade Hater, and you're you're including a guy to help balance out the deal, balance out the money when you didn't have to do that. So, you know, I didn't think Nelson Lamed had this much impact, but that's moved this trade down to an F for me. I mean, it it's really that that bad. I mean, when you're trading Hater for a slightly worse reliever and then just two prospects in the middle of a season, I mean, that's something that you do in the off season. You know, if you want to make that kind of a trade, you don't do that at the trade deadline when you're trying to make a push for a World Series that year and, and totally devastate your clubhouse. So as it's gone on, I am moving this grade fully to to an F for the Josh Hader trade. Wow. You know, statistically speaking, the way I view this, too, is there's only short term, short term wise, there's only one way the Brewers win this trade. And that's to win the World Series, right? In the short term. Yeah. If they win the World Series and they don't have Josh Hader, they say, hey, look, see, we didn't, you know, it worked out. Everything's fine. It worked out. So st statistically speaking, they're probably going to lose this trade in the short term. But then in the long term, always have to be patient in the world of sports. Perhaps one of these players that they've gotten back blossoms into something that they actually uh, are a very valuable part of the team. And then long term wise, they could possibly win the trade. But even then, statistically speaking, I don't know if you're going to – I mean, Josh Hader is like a once-in-a-what type of player. You know what I mean? So, statistically speaking, they probably lose out on this trade, and that F doesn't seem so bad, um, you know, when I kind of hear it right now, just a few days removed from the trade. Yeah, and I mean, I do like the, those prospects of the guy. I like Asteri Ruiz. Uh, I think they should call him up immediately. I don't know what he's doing down in AAA. I mean, he's he's got an OPS of over 1,000 AAA this year with 60 stolen bases. Like, wow. he has done everything he needs to down there. Call him up, put him in center field. He cannot be worse than, than Jonathan Davis and Tyrone Taylor out there right now. So, put like, put him out there. See if he can help impact the offense. Uh, you know, I, I like him. I like Robert Gasser. Um, you know, I think they can they can develop him into a pretty good player. And, but, I mean, even if those prospects pan out, you know, with, with what you traded him for at the time and how it impacted this team – it's it just doesn't seem like it's enough uh, for a year and a half of a generational talent of the best reliever in baseball 
and Josh Hader. And yeah, if the Brewers win the World Series, then none of it matters. You know, it's like, okay, it cost you Hader, but whatever. You won the World Series. No, no one's going to care at that point. But if they lose, if they lose in the postseason again, it's going to be because of one of two things. Either the bullpen imploded or the offense didn't score enough. And if that's if that's the case, everyone is going to point back to this trade deadline. They're going to point to the hater trade. They're going to point to the lack of a trade for an, for an impact bat. And they're going to look at Stearns and be like, you did not do enough. You did not do the right things at the deadline to make this a World Series team. And that's that's just what it's going to be for months in, until you get into the offseason and you get to the trades that they make and, and whatever they do to build the roster for next year. And then you have to um, that until opening day in, in April of 2023. Of the other moves that Brewers made, what did you like or dislike? <laughs> there was there was a lot more dislike than like. That's well, for sure. You, let me interrupt uh, you, because I did see a tweet from you uh, at dgasper24 on Twitter uh, that you gave out like your worst grade, like an F minus, minus what was that grade you gave a out? A quadruple F minus. <laughs> Yes, there it is. That yeah. was that was the Trevor Rosenthal trade, and it 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 just really kind of set me over the edge uh, with, with this trade deadline. I mean, you, you make those two trades, you get you know the Hater trade, then you get the Matt Bush trade later on Monday night, which is and eh, whatever. I mean, but I mean, and then Bush, of course, kicked Lamette off the roster. But Trevor Rosenthal, this dude hasn't pitched in two years. He, he last pitched in the 2020 season. He missed all of last season with injury. He's missed all of this season so far with injury. He's still hurt. He might be back, might, in a month. You know, you, you might get one month of him. Then he's a free agent at the end of the year. So you'd think his value is pretty much nothing in a trade. They, they could have signed this dude off the streets two weeks ago. The Giants did. And then instead of, instead of signing him then... You give up a top 20 prospect, a rising prospect in Tristan Peters to get him. This dude has, has a near 900 OPS in high A. Power, speed, contact ability, not striking out much. He just got promoted to double A. And you trade him? You, you, you trade him for a guy who hasn't pitched in two years that you might get one month out of if you're lucky? I mean, that's just that's just gross mismanagement of of prospect value and trade assets and everything like like i thought this would be cash considerations or at most a 17 year old in the dominican republic that you're trading to get rosenthal but to give up a top 20 prospect for a guy like that i mean the dodgers gave up just about as much to get joey gallo even though gallo has been pretty much bad all season he's actually played recently he's healthy and he just needs to get out of new york i'd have rather traded peters for joey gallo even if that was the only offensive upgrade, I'd probably have been like, oh, that's kind of disappointing. But given where we are now, I'm beg I would be begging for the Brewers to get Joey Gallo. I mean, that, that, that would have been a much better trade. I, I'm fine trading Tristan Peters for a reliever. I'm fine trading for Trevor Rosenthal. I am not fine trading Tristan Peters for Trevor Rosenthal. I mean, that is just astoundingly bad value. I mean, that 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 is... That is the worst trade I think I've seen David Stearns make on its face in, in his entire career. And I'm guessing no press release on this one, like the Josh <laughs> Hader trade. But why, is no. there, has there been any sort of explanation then as to why something like that? Because the way you describe it, you know, somebody being promoted to double A as opposed to someone who hasn't 
been in played for like almost two years. Is there any explanation as to why that move was made then? The Brewers front office loves Rosenthal. They, they've loved him for a long time. They've been trying to get him for a long time. Um, they, they tried to sign him prior to the 2021 season where he ended up getting hurt and needing thoracic outlet surgery. Um, so, I mean, they, they've been after him for a while. And I, and I think David Stern's just kind of sensed an, an opportunity to get him. And I think the Giants uh, knew he's been after him as well. And they're just like, look, if you want him, it's, it's going to cost you. And uh, I think they might have just price gouged him. And, and he was just either desperate to make another trade or willing to accept that. I don't know. But, yeah, paying that, that type of price is, is ridiculous. And then for him to come out after the deadline and be like, oh, well, I mean, we were looking at some of the hitters, but we didn't like uh, the, the prices that were on them and didn't really want to pay those. I'm like, uh, like you weren't comfortable paying those prices for hitters, but you were comfortable paying Peters for Trevor Rosenthal. Like, have you gone into the Aaron Rodgers ayahuasca or something? <laughs> Is that what you've gotten into here, Sterns? <laughs> oh, my God. Speaking of Aaron Rodgers and ayahuasca, I'm doing a podcast with somebody who wrote a book on ayahuasca next week. Oh. So we're going to find out everything that Aaron Rodgers was going through. Uh, with ayahuasca, so stay tuned for that one. Uh, all right, final couple questions for you, Dave. Um, can you explain Christian Yelich's career? I asked Brian Anderson when I had him on the podcast uh, a few weeks back, uh, you know, what's going on with Christian Yelich? And he said, well, Brewers fans need to realize that this is who Christian Yelich is right now. He's not the guy who had those two stellar back-to-back -back seasons in which he won an MVP in one of them. Can you explain Christian Yelich's career? And is he this guy? Is this is this it? This is this is the Christian Yelich we get for the rest of his career? You know, I, I think I think there's still you know more to be tapped with Yelich. Um, I think he's definitely changing. I mean, the the player that he was in in 2018 and 2019 just is not there. Um, you know, you had the knee injury, you've had the back injury, and that's kind of changed things. But no one has kind of been no one has been more upset about. Yelich's struggles over the past few years than Christian Yelich himself. And he's been trying things to, to, you know, try to make it work and try to get back to that form because he wants to be back in that MVP form as well. Um, and, you know, we've seen in the past couple of weeks, he's changed to a toe tap now with, with his, uh, you know, pre-swing uh, load, the timing mechanism. So, you know, maybe that fixes things. Uh, you know, we've we've seen him definitely be hitting the ball a lot better lately, driving the ball a lot more, hitting it with more power and authority. Uh, so maybe he can get back into it. He's not in the home run groove uh, right now. He, he still isn't there yet. But, you know, I, I think we should still see a, a much higher average hitting Yelich. I think at worst we should see the, the Marlins version of Yelich, where even if he doesn't have too much power, even if he doesn't have 30, 40, 50 home run a season power, he should be getting on base at a high clip, hitting 280, 290, 300, something like that, and stealing bases, getting on base. That That's what he should be doing. That's what he's been doing a lot more of ever since he's moved into the leadoff spot. So, you know, it's just going to be kind of a question to see if he's able to tap into that power once again. Perhaps a toe tap helps, you know, long term, and, and we'll just kind of see in time if that power ever returns. But if not... Yeah, I mean, you still got a, a quality contact hitter there. Yeah, Marlins Christian Yelich was a really good player, so I will take Marlins Christian Yelich for sure, the guy they got right before he exploded. Now, can I go all conspiracy theory on you a little bit then with Yelich? Please do. Do you remember the stories back in 2019? Multiple players identifying the Brewers among the most, uh, you know, 
what is what is the headline? Multiple players identify Brewers as most egregious electronic sign stealers was the headline mm-hmm. on one random article. Um, Yelich said, we have nothing to hide. Conspiracy theory, John, and I'm not accusing anyone of anything because I have no inside knowledge whatsoever of anything. But there was that little rumblings throughout the internet world that the Brewers were stealing signs. Christian Yelich had his best seasons. Then those rumbles go down. We see what happens with Houston and electronic steel signing is like a, a really bad thing to do, obviously. And MLB cracks down. And now Yelich isn't the Yelich he was. Yeah, I, I don't, don't think it's it's that. No. Okay. Uh, it's, I mean, I mean, if that was the case, I mean, Yelich, you know, Yelich wouldn't have been as good of a hitter with Miami either then. You know, I mean, even even with or without the home runs, you know, he was still a 300 hitter down in Miami. So, I mean, from being able to steal signs to not being able to steal signs shouldn't put him from 300 down to uh, 220 or, or whatever he was hitting before in, in the last few seasons. So, you know, I think it's definitely more of the, the knee issue after he fouled that pitch off his knee and shattered his kneecap. Um, I think that might have been like subconsciously, you know, playing into his mind and doesn't want to be as aggressive on inside pitches and foul it off his knee again. Uh, I think that might be more part of it. It could be the back as well, although the Brewers do insist that he's healthy now. You know, it might just be some bad habits that he got into trying to compensate for the back issue or the knee issue. Uh, That's just kind of sapped his power. But, you know, also when he was in his prime there, uh, hitting home runs and 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 doing MVP things, he was saying like I didn't really do anything differently from Miami to here in terms of tapping in home run power. It's just all of a sudden I'm hitting the ball in the air more. He didn't know what he did to to do that, and I think that makes it you know now that he's lost it again, I think it makes it that much harder for him to try to get back into that home run form because he didn't know what he did before. I know what he did. It's called stealing. I'm just kidding. I'm not accusing anyone of any. I'm just joking. I don't know. I just thought it was the timing of those stories and the drop off in production. But you make a good point. You know, in Miami, it was, uh, you know, right around that 300 mark several seasons. So um, it doesn't really, uh, you know, kind of explain why all of a sudden he dropped so even you know, mid 250s or lower sometimes. Um, so mm-hmm. I get it. Um, all right. So why don't you tell me? A little bit about reviewing the brew where you're editor-in-chief and tell me a little bit more about the cold brew podcast where our listeners can go check out uh, some brewers info and i know you've got a weekend show in madison as well on 1310 wiba yeah i got a uh, got sports on deck with dave gasper saturdays at 10 a.m on uh, 1310 wiba so that's been fun uh it's gonna be it's gonna be more trade deadline talk this week on the on the show so it's uh it's going to be more uh, anger and, and yelling uh, about everything that, that <laughs> okay. went on. Um, but yeah, and then, you know, reviewing the brew, just kind of, you know, really a, a one-stop shop for, for everything Milwaukee Brewers news, opinion, analysis. I uh, got a couple pieces up there on, on the trade deadline right now. Um, you know, minor league stuff as well up there. And then Cold Brew Podcast, you can find it, you know, pretty much anywhere. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Anchor, cast box you know whatever kind of podcast spot you listen to and of course the iHeartRadio app uh you can find it there so and we just celebrated our 100th episode uh this week we just recorded that yesterday's that's up uh that's up right now so yeah so 100 episodes of of the cold brew podcast drinking beer and talking baseball and 
having guests on. It's it, it's a really good time, and uh, we I de- me and my co-host definitely dive a lot more into the uh, the trade deadline stuff uh, on this week's uh, last episode for sure. Yeah, what what timing for episode number one hundred? You get to react to the Josh Hader trade and have a couple <laughs> cold ones. That's like the perfect way to celebrate number one hundred, I would imagine. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I'm like, I, I would have preferred this to be a bit more of an upbeat episode, you know, like have yeah, yeah. you know some party favors, some noisemakers, and whatnot celebrating. And and yeah, I mean, it, it's certainly going to make for uh for one that a lot of people want to listen to, and that is that is the important part, though. And you'll be uh, back helping produce Badger volleyball in 2022. Yes, I will. Let's go. Looking looking for back to back championship seasons. Yeah, well, watch out, Anna Smrek. And they just got Sarah Franklin. I met uh, Sarah kind of for the first time at Big Ten Media Days uh, in Chicago. Franklin's a left side hitter. And I'm telling you what, Dave, she's six foot four, but she seems like she's right up there with Anna Smrek. She's, you know, powerful and intimidating and averaged about four kills per set at Michigan State. So they just kind of reloaded with some of the weapons. And of course, you go from six foot eight, Dana Redke, and now you got six foot nine, Anna Smrek, who I'll tell you what, when Anna Smrek, gets to the highest like if you said Anna where no one else can go like and it's at the highest point and she's ready to I don't I honestly don't know how anyone can stop that like literally I you can't stop that she is going no. to smash the ball right down your throat and so I'm really excited for badger volleyball this season so as a six foot eight guy myself I understand <laughs> <laughs> there you go did you play volleyball at all no no my sisters did though um okay. But yeah, they they got the volleyball jeans. I was I was the baseball uh, jeans. Oh, you're like the Aaron sure. Judge. Yeah. yeah, except I was nowhere near as good of a hitter. <laughs> didn't smash bombs like he did. Um, all right, all right, Dave. Well, thank you, and fans can go check out reviewing the brew. Like you said, one stop shop for everything Brewers. The Cold Brew Podcast celebrating episode number 100 and if you're driving around in the madison area on 1310 wiba saturday mornings at 10 a.m dave thanks so much for taking some time today yeah thanks john for for having me on man all right cool. anytime all right awesome that's dave gasper well i'm gonna take you up on that because i'll need a brewer's guy every once in a while it's dave gasper reviewing the brew cold brew podcast once again Thanks to Ian's Pizza in Madison. The promotion's on. Just send me a message on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Say, I'm in, okay? And you'll be eligible for your shot at college football and volleyball tickets to the season opener, September 2nd and September 3rd in Madison. And also one year's supply of Ian's Pizza. And you'll have even more opportunities for more entries through retweets, through likes, through shares, and and whatnot. But all you got to do is keep track of uh, all those podcast drops on social media, and I'll tell you what to do for extra entries. Don't worry about that. Also, shout out me and Julio in Madison, just off Fish Hatchery Road. Best margaritas, just the best. Like, I, I can't. If you haven't had one, please just go there. Like, if you don't even order, like, the Bang Bang Chicken or the Bang Bang Shrimp. I had the BLTA last time. Um, sandwich with avocado. It's fantastic. If you don't have any of the food, just try at least the margaritas, Tuesdays and Thursdays specials, plus wine Wednesdays, and always with the monthly food specials, me and Julio. John Cast Podcast, sign up for the newsletter, and you'll hear about cool ways to win stuff uh, as well, and all the latest uh, on the podcast, johncastpodcast.com. Sign up for the newsletter. Okay, I'm out next week. Yeah, I'm going to talk to someone about ayahuasca, because, and I called this, I called the Aaron Rodgers ayahuasca thing Thank you. After he got back from Peru, he went on the AJ Hawk podcast. He talked about going to Peru 
and he mentioned something about shaman or something like that. And Hawk kind of ribbed him like, oh, you doing ayahuasca? And the reaction by Rogers at that time was kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought, wait, that's weird. Why? What? That was a weird reaction. That was a fake reaction. You were faking something, Aaron Rodgers. And I dug deeper. And there's a podcast when Danica Patrick was on the Joe Rogan uh, podcast. And she asked him, like, you could tell, like, she's like, so tell me about ayahuasca. She was so curious about it. And I was like, hold on. He went to Peru, talked about shaman with Danica Patrick, who earlier had talked to Joe Rogan about ayahuasca. Like he did, he's told, and then he comes back by the way, and he's like this changed person. So obvious. I called it. I called. I've been searching the internet for those podcasts so I could just replay the audio, and I have had no success yet. But I know it's out there because I remember saying the words. All right, sorry, I went on a tangent. All right, thanks for listening to this week's episode of the John Cast Podcast. Goodbye.